ahead, welcome into Unboss. It's Adrian Lawrence, I'm still filling in for the great Nina Turner. And please do not forget to subscribe, that's right, we need you. Share this stream, send some love in the comments. I want to read them, give them to me, because today we're gonna hit on a lot. I'm talking about the Republicans really getting put in their place as it concerns their lack of action as it concerns gun reform. Also, federal judge not acting right in attacking the Affordable Care Act. Also. Later in the show, we're gonna reveal really how a certain government bill is nothing more than the Patriot Act on steroids. And I'm not gonna do it alone. Fortunately, I am joined by the incredibly knowledgeable and talented A.B. Burns Tucker. A.B., how you doing today? I'm well, how are you? Uh, I'm doing all right, I'm doing as best as can be on this Thursday. But I know that there's somebody who's not doing as great and that would generally be Marjorie Taylor Greene in part because she is in that find out part of her journey in terms of her anti-trans, anti-gun reform agenda. We need to talk about protecting our children the same way we protect our president, we protect our celebrities, yeah. we protect Re reclaiming this building. Okay, that, I'll yield. That, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, you know, there are six people that are dead in that school, including three children, because you guys got rid of the assault weapons ban. Because you guys made it easy for people who don't deserve to have weapons, who are mentally incapable of having weapons of war, being able to buy those weapons and go into schools. I voted for SROs in my schools in, in Florida after Parkland. We have SROs on every school. Did the good guys with the guns stop six people from getting murdered? No, but you know what? AR-15s, you know, seen what those bullets do to children? You know why you don't hunt with an AR-15 with a deer? Because there's nothing left. And there's nothing left of these kids when people go into school and murder them while they're trying to read. You guys are worried about banning books? Dead kids can't read. Oof, oof, those are just straight facts. And by SROs, Congressman Jared Moskowitz meant school resource officers. Those are generally individuals who are armed and ready to defend the school. And the thing is that they're not enough. But of course, the gentlewoman from Georgia thinks that more guns and more individuals armed with guns is the answer. And I can surely tell you it's not. And all of this conversation comes in the wake of Monday's mass shooting in Nashville, where Marjorie Taylor Greene in the response to it, well, she made her position very known as she tweeted this. In the wake of a transgender shooter targeting a Christian school and murdering kids, every American should know the threat of Antifa driven trans terrorism. Twitter should not whitewash the incitement of politically motivated violence. Wow, you could really see all the conspiracy theories come into one as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely doing everything but actually making change. And the reaction to this horrific shooting in Nashville that left six dead, including three children, has Republicans in Congress again acting like their hands are tied behind their backs. But the thing is, is that Democrats are clearly not down for it and they are showing that. At the helm, we have President Biden who made clear that he has maxed out in terms of his powers and he needs Congress to actually act on gun reform. He tweeted this, I again call on Congress to pass the assault weapons ban. It should not be a partisan issue, it's a common sense issue. There's a moral price to pay for an action. Absolutely, and unfortunately the price that is being paid is largely the NRA paying to be in the pockets of the Republicans as they refuse to act. 
But of course, rather than shift the blame to demonizing the trans community, well, 99% of all mass shooters, as we know, are what, cis men. But also, we know that a lot of America is not a fan of doing nothing. Rather, the vast majority want to support smart gun reform, including background checks. Check out this poll here. As we can see, individuals want these restrictions placed on people because it's for the betterment of our society. And it makes the point clear that more needs to be done in terms of sensible gun reform. And you know who also made that point clear? Congressman Jamal Bowman, who had a few things to say to Republican representative in particular, Thomas Massey. Check this out. Republican Thomas Massey ain't never worked in a school, but he got schooled that day. That's right, because Bowman had taught in the Bronx. He also founded a public middle school there where he was a principal for decades. He gives a damn about the kids and the fact that they're dying because the Republicans want to keep getting their coins from the NRA. Six lives are on the table now, including seven of the shooter. And we have the picture of those six lives that were innocent here. And those are the individuals who Bowman were speaking out for in that moment. And that's what he feels, and rightly so. So many of us across the nation, including myself, have felt it. We simply want meaningful change. I don't think I'm asking for too much. I don't think Bowman's asking for too much. And I don't think America's asking for too much. AB, what am I missing here? I'm not sure what you're missing, to be quite honest with you. I guess at this point, it's if everyone's hands is tied, then who does the responsibility of fixing this issue fall on? Because that's all we continue to hear is that we can't do more. We can't do more to fix it. We can't do more to protect children. We don't want to give up our gun rights. So whose job is it to make sure that we are protecting the very population of people that we say that we love and we want to make sure that they're good to go, right? I think to go to Marjorie Taylor's point, it's it's getting I'm I'm fed up because at this point you feed so much false information like you take apples and call them oranges. When you talk about how we're protecting the president and how we protect celebrities and stuff like that, you're really gaslighting because the people who are in charge of protecting those people, not only are they screened, 
to make sure that they are qualified to protect these people, but they are also trained on using whatever weapons that they have that they use for protection. So let's start there. Um, I have another issue too, just with how the conversation that um, uh, Mr. Bowman had. Because people were labeling it as like, oh, they had this heated conversation, this heated argument. No, I think it was passionate, right? And it was well informed and it was a conversation that needed to be had and that people need to hear like citizens, American citizens hearing our representatives and our congressional leaders advocating and saying out loud, we need this type of change and it needs to happen now. In addition to that, like let's be clear about this is a black man and black people when we get passionate and we feel about something, we get loud, right? And we get we get animated about what we say, but it's so that you feel the emotion and the intensity of the situation that we are faced with. Watching children, defenseless children lose their lives because some selfish individuals want to keep guns on the streets that don't need to be on the streets is terrible. And you should feel that passion. And I think more congressional leaders should be just as passionate about arguing to change legislation as we just saw from Bowman. Well, I can definitely tell you what I would like to see is action. Whether people are screaming from the rafters or whether they are quietly drafting amendments, my God, just do something. That's the thing. And I totally understand why Bowman was as passionate as you noted as he is, because a lot of us have felt the triggering feeling of seeing more children die. At the same time, I need action. And I know that's what you want too, is for people to actually take the steps that are necessary to make meaningful change. And well, what I can bring to you right now is that 13 years ago, there was one individual who definitely did take the steps necessary to give us meaningful change. Watch this. We are done. Yeah, that's right. The applause was so, so worthy right there. That was President Barack Obama who was signing the Affordable Care Act into law, something that our nation needed desperately. And to be honest, we need far more. And of course, 13 years and a week later, well, there's a federal judge in Texas that today decided to hack away at the Affordable Care Act. US District Judge Reed O'Connor effectively ruled today that employers do not have to cover certain preventative healthcare services that were recommended it, of course, by the US Preventative Service Task Force. And the thing is, is these preventative services were otherwise free. So here is the impact that we know so far. Among the preventative services affected by O'Connor's order are screenings for breast cancer, colorectal cancer, cervical cancer and lung cancer, diabetes screenings, various screenings and interventions for pregnancy, pregnant people set in use to prevent cardiovascular disease, vision screening for children and more. Now the ruling has implications for more than 150 million Americans on employer sponsored health plans and could put millions on the hook for financially for certain screenings, immunizations and other high value services recommended by the US Preventative Services Task Force. And the thing is, is that even just looking at one microcosm of the uh, of the illnesses that the Preventative Services Task Force had deemed were so important that we needed to do preventative service for that in terms of looking at cancer. Well, we can see that the data from 2022 alone show that it's incredibly significant to have the preventative aspect there. Look at this chart here, and I'll show you from the graph. 
how incredibly important it is to look at what the ratio there of cancer deaths versus new cancer cases. The fact is that people die because they don't have the knowledge, they don't figure out and find out that they are suffering from a disease, disability, some kind of illness that they could have been screened by, which is why the preventative task force there was telling, telling employers that this is needs to be provided for free. And so cutting up the ACA appears to really be an ongoing mission of Judge O'Connor. Bear this in mind, he is a George W. Bush appointee. And if you recall back in 2018, well, he tried to invalidate the entire ACA. This man is hunting for it. He called it unconstitutional, but then the US Supreme Court came back and disagreed. So given O'Connor's ruling today, what will the nationwide impact look like and what comes next? Well, this performs. The Biden administration is expected to appeal O'Connor's ruling, which means there's still the possibility of a higher court could overturn it. Insurance coverage contracts generally run through the end of the year, making any changes to insurance policies and what services they cover unlikely before 2024. That means if the case is reversed when it's appealed, there ultimately could be little impact on Americans coverage. Though it still remains to be seen how higher courts, including potentially the US Supreme Court, will respond in this case. Yeah, because we have a totally different court makeup than we did in 2018, as we now have a very conservative leaning court that of course loves to suckle at the teat of capitalism. So it's very scary how this could go down. But I can tell you that hopefully this is something that will encourage the vast majority of Americans to ensure that our representative body are more inclined to protect the people and to protect their rights. Because really in the grand scheme of things, this Ruling here, which again has a nationwide impact, could ultimately affect nearly half of the population of the United States who rely on the Affordable Care Act. AB, what are your thoughts? I guess the first thing is, why do we have the task force if we're not gonna listen to their recommendations, right? And if we are invalidating these different procedures and task force that are put together put in place in order to help us make rational decisions about the day to day lives of human beings, right? That we are here to protect and we are here to serve and we are here to make sure that they have the opportunity to live a healthy and nice and informed life. Um, it's, it's crazy to even be in this position where this is what we're arguing about when there are much greater legal issues that should be of concern um, to different congressional leaders and quite frankly to the court. Um, I'm hoping to see an injunction on this because the last thing we need to see is more people losing losing their health care or the services that they need for health care, um, especially considering everything people have gone through with regards to COVID, right? Um, what we are seeing with regards to mental health, right? What we are seeing in regards to the growth of new viruses and, and new things that are coming up um, outside of issues that we have been dealing with for centuries and centuries, right? Um, cancer. So it's just, it's, it's terrible to even think that there are people in this world who can care less about people at the bare minimum, bare minimum having healthcare and adequate healthcare in order to flex their power. And I think that's exactly what we're looking at right now. Yes, and I very much agree. And it's so wise of you to bring up the thought that there might be an injunction that will come down to essentially stop this order from taking effect nationwide. And the thing is, is that we are now 
really at the mercy of the Fifth Circuit and also the contracts we signed with our insurance providers that go through hopefully about the December time of 2023. But still, this is not something we want, nor is it something that the remainder of the United States wants to be held to. This is us being held hostage by this man's agenda to tear down the Affordable Care Act, where so many of us are already held hostage by our employers by virtue of the fact that our health insurance is tethered to our employment. And so given that so many people right now are in bad situations because enough isn't covered by health insurance providers to take this away too in terms of preventative care, it can be a death sentence to so many. And it's disgusting in terms of why this judge would make this ruling. I very much respect the law. I think that so many things about the law are beautiful, but at the same time, I know how it can be manipulated. So before we go to break, AB, any closing thoughts on this issue? Yeah, I mean, we see where we're at, and I think this shows the importance of the judicial system, right? And the type of decisions that they get to make. And it also shows that how the Republican Party, for the most part, is utilizing the power of our judicial system to get the things that they want passed, and quite frankly, to make more public what their message is. And I think we need to be very aware of that and watch what's going on. And we need to be, at this point, need to be just as aggressive in the courts as those who feel like it's okay to take services and rights away from human beings. Absolutely. And we need to bear that in mind in terms of ensuring each and every individual is protected. We all pay into this system, we give our taxes. Part of me is like, why can't we be more like these what European Nordic countries where they actually take care of their people, God forbid. Especially if we call ourselves, and I'm sure to some extent we are the wealthiest nation where we can fuel money into our military and into all sorts of pockets in terms of our leaders. But my God, it seems that we cannot help we the people. But again, and again, those are just my thoughts. But also one of my thoughts is let's go to break now and we'll see you back in a few minutes. Welcome back to Unbossed, it's Adrian Lawrence filling in for the incredible Nina Turner, who should I think be back quite soon. But if you are here in the meantime, my God, you need to definitely make sure you see Unbossed Live. That's why I don't miss it. Catch our videos on demand on the YouTube channel. Find full clips by scanning the QR code. Also go to youtube.com, TYT. Yes, and also hit it up on Linear. You can watch your favorite TYT shows on Pluto TV, Samsung TV Plus, Roku, YouTube TV again, amazing, and more. Just search TYT or The Young Turks and remember to add your favorite channel to your favorites, of course. Also, after this, the watch list is where it's at. JR Jackson sharing his take on the stories. Should you be paying attention to news, politics, culture, current events, sports? You need to get this in your system. That's right. Subscribe to the watch list and watch live daily, 5 Eastern to Pacific, youtube.com slash watchlist TYT. And also, of course, we got a podcast. That's right. Unbossed Live. You can watch full episodes of your podcast, or well, I should actually say listen. But if you listen to Unbossed on Apple Podcasts, that's a good thing, or wherever your podcasts are found. If it's Spotify, God help you, go get it. Also, hit that rating of the show, five stars. I can dig it. You can dig it. And something else I dig is the TYT members at tyt.com, especially Wolf Dragon Donna says, Good to see you both. 
Uh, it's good to see you too, even though I can't see you, but I love it. I uh, said, good God, we need to get rid of Marjorie Taylor Greene and more of Jamal Bowman. I could not agree with you more. It would be delightful if that happened. My God, the people of Georgia and her district, what y'all thinking? Uh, I know I'm thinking I love Twitch and G Skillet says, we got an awesome panel today for terrible news. Woo, yep, we do the best we can. And I'm very grateful to have you around. I'm also grateful to have the YouTube Snapchat or Super Chat, excuse me, going on. Henry says, Adrian and AB, whoop, whoop, that's right. And Scorpio, legal queen duo, that's right. And Phoenix Dragon, MTG Money Taker Grift. That's an acronym that is so fitting. There's also another thing that is fitting, and that's the Republicans and the Democrats who are really getting into something that I think a lot of Americans have no idea about, but we will uncover it. Watch this. This is not a First Amendment issue because we're not trying to ban booty videos. I don't know if there's a better term for it, but that's not what we're trying to ban. This is not about the content of the videos that are online. It is about the dangers to the national security that are presented by the way that this company functions. Oh, that was Senator Marco Rubio, and that was his propaganda really pushing the Restrict Act. And believe me, it ain't about booty videos one way you think of it or another. Even though we know Mark Rubio is always thirsty. But anyway, well, the bill out there is often known as the TikTok ban bill, but really it's the Restrict Act. And so it's so much more than this whole fear of adversarial nations like China, Iran, Russia, fear of them accessing our data. No, 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 no. As it turns out, well, the bill is really the Patriot Act on steroids, such that it's bringing the right and the left together, which we'll get to more of. But for now, when we talk about the data privacy threat that this bill presents, well, Vice has some insight for us on the Restrict Act's insanely broad language. The bill could have implications not just for social networks, but potentially security tools such as virtual private networks that consumers use to encrypt and, in, and root their traffic, better known as VPNs. Although the intention of the bill is to target apps or services that pose a threat to national security, critics worry it may have much wider implications for the First Amendment. Under the Restrict Act, the Department of Commerce would identify information and communications technology products that a foreign adversary has any interest in or poses an unacceptable risk to national security, the announcement reads. The bill only applies to technology linked to a foreign adversary. Those countries include China as well as Hong Kong, Cuba, Iran, North Korea, Russia and Venezuela. But the language is written such that it is so incredibly broad that it gives the government considerable leeway. Yeah, that's right. The government has a lot of power under the bill to pick and choose whether it wants to access our data and whether it considers maybe that a country would have an interest in it or maybe that it presents a national security risk. Yeah, that's right. Well, a research scholar at Stanford Internet Observatory, that's Rihanna Farrokhan, blasted the proposed bill that would enable the government to get to our data as it see fit. This is what she said. This bill certainly is troubling in that it would grant a great amount of power to the executive branch that should be unsettling in any context. Recent examples around the world from Israel to China are showing us the risks that arise from upsetting checks and balances to favor executive power. 
Absolutely, and when you think about it, when it comes to whether if you decide to use a VPN and maybe you access any kind of data or information or website or an app that for some reason, some country that the US doesn't necessarily have what great ties to that they may have an interest in. Well, what would be the penalties here? Let's talk about them. Civil violations can result in fines up to $250,000 or twice the amount of the transaction that is the basis of the violation, whichever is greater. Criminal penalties can result in fines up to a million dollars. That's right, $1 million and or imprisonment of up to 20 years. Yes, so basically the government has absolute authority and discretion to decide whether something you're accessing maybe infringes on its relationship with another country. And for some reason, they don't like that and they feel that you are violating their rights or their whatever they want to call this restrict act. And it's not so much clearly about what not accessing TikTok, but it'll end up with fines up to a million dollars or imprisonment up to 20 years. That really sounds like a lot and it sounds like a lot of power and it sounds like it's something incredibly problematic. AB, am I reading this wrong? No, it sounds like something they didn't think all the way through before they put it on paper and decided to try to push it out to the American people. But what do we expect? Because they've been getting away with this for so long. Um, the reality is, unfortunately, I don't personally have an issue with China. They're not adversary to me. Um, I don't know nothing about Iran, so I don't have any adversary with that. So I'm not sure how this has anything to do with me, quite frankly. If you are concerned about our national security, then explain to us what aspects of our national security you are concerned about. What intelligence do they have access to that you are concerned about? And in addition to that, if we are concerned about how the app is using our national intelligence, then why are we also simultaneously interested in a buy-in for the company? So I'm confused as to what fight we are on this and then trying to put forth legislation to like push an agenda and push a hand at this. It's, I don't, I'm, I'm at a loss at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, it is something that it definitely makes you wonder what is going on. And the thing is, is that we kind of know that this was something that was a bipartisan push, yet at the same time, it's really kind of a matter of the fact that it's, Far reaching, again, Patriot Act on steroids. The restriction is so precarious that even Fox News called out a co-signer of this bill, which is Senator Lindsey Graham, watch this. You don't support this because you were named as one of the supporters, because this is garbage. Well, is this the one where John, there's two bills out there. One allows a review of businesses that, that are connected to China, give the secretary the ability to protect our data. Uh, is that the Restrict Act? <laughs> we got S-686 right here, yeah. March 7th. Mm -hmm. And we got a bunch of Republicans supporting it because this thing is crazy town. You don't want yeah. the government looking into your private phone. No, I don't. If and they, they have can't. a hunch you're colluding with the <laughs> Russians, we remember how yeah, that turned that's out. That's right. Yeah, no, well, the Constitution trumps a statute. So let me come back and, uh, you know, give you a better explanation. Yes, oh, if we could come back and give a better explanation, it might be one in which it's clearly an admission that the government wants to figure out a loophole so that it can access all of our data. Yeah, 
So this issue is uniting members of the GOP and Democrats, it seems. Uh, peep this headline here. Republican Senator Rand Paul blocks bid to ban Chinese-owned TikTok. Yeah, that seems to be quite, quite very much the issue. And I'm glad that at least someone on the right is saying something because I can damn assure you that someone on the left is too. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez appropriately expressed her rejection of the Restrict Act. Take a look here. Everyone, this is Rep AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and this is my first TikTok. Now, this is not only my first TikTok, but it is a TikTok about TikTok. Now, this week, the CEO of TikTok came and testified before Congress as there is growing rumblings and discussion over a nationwide ban on the app. Do I believe TikTok should be banned? No. We are a government by the people and for the people. And if we want to make a decision as significant as banning TikTok, and we believe or someone believes that there's really important information that the public deserves to know about why such a decision would be justified, that information should be shared with the public as well. Absolutely, Uh, AOC is not incorrect in any way whatsoever. Banning TikTok will not help. Rather, Congress really needs to pass privacy data laws. That's incredibly important and stop trying to get into uh, our, our tech. Stop trying to look at that. This is the Fourth Amendment issues that what the founding fathers never considered. And so there is nothing necessarily on the books in terms of the Constitution, in terms of how deep they can dive. Oh, there's so much going on here. But really, let's look to the New York Times in terms of what they're saying needs to happen. So while Congress has been up in arms about TikTok, it has failed to pass even the most basic comprehensive privacy legislation to protect our data from being misused by all the tech companies that collect and mine it. Congress has also failed to follow the lead of Europe with its recent push to force platforms to be more accountable for the disinformation that they spread. Oh, there's just so much there. The reality is that they're not doing enough. But of course, why would our legislature do a lot, especially considering that what? Even though it's we the people that pay their paychecks, it's really we the company that fill their coffers. AB. Yeah, I think that goes to the heart of it, right? It's, it's we the people um, and we have gotten to this space where we the people no longer matter and it's we the government and this is what we said and this is what y'all are gonna do and this is what's gonna happen without really informing we the people. Um, I think the American people are willing to stand behind our legislators if we really know what's going on. And what has happened is that we have gotten so boggled down with all this misinformation and rhetoric and he say, she say and left versus right as opposed to getting to the heart of the issue and the real matter. Our privacy data is a real serious issue in this country in general across the board when it comes to big tech. And I don't think that's anything that anyone will question. But we have given this permission to these tech companies to do what they want to do with our data for for the opportunity to use their platforms, right? And I think it's sad when we are almost being exploited for having community. So many people have found community on TikTok in particular. And it's just unfortunate to like really manipulate them by scaring them into believing that particular data that can be used for God knows what is at risk. 
um, and that the government is trying to take this away from us for that reason. In addition to, I know you mentioned the Fourth Amendment. Like now we're we're getting the First Amendment too, which I think is like people don't understand how broad <laughs> the First Amendment really is, um, but also how restrictive it is. And we need to start paying attention to that. And so I think like this is the time when we get back to the drawing table. Um, but I'm really interested in us getting to a space where we actually start talking to the American people about what the American people want. And then in addition, start being a little more honest with the American people about what change and what progression and what maybe protecting us actually looks like. Um, I salute Rand Paul for standing up and saying we're not doing this, um, but that's all he's gonna get from me today. <laughs> yeah, and that's really all he deserves as far as I'm concerned. Because you know, it's like we expect these leaders to be out here doing something for us to lead in some way. But unfortunately, they're not doing anything but trying to be legends at the bank. But there is somebody who's out there doing something and that would be the leadership in Idaho, even though it's not something we like for them to be doing. But because Idaho is about to be the first state to really restrict interstate travel for abortion. That's right, there's a bill that would create a whole new crime dubbed abortion trafficking. So uh, Idaho, uh, if you don't know, is already one of the most extreme abortion restricted states uh, as far as the books go. And this law that they're proposing now would effectively, um, it would make it a crime to go across state lines if you need an abortion. Here's more on the bill. House Bill 242, which passed through the state house and is likely to move quickly through the Senate, seeks to limit minors' ability to travel for abortion care without parental consent. Now, the consequences, if caught, of abortion trafficking, they're pretty steep. Abortion trafficking would be a felony, and those found guilty would face two to five years in prison. The legislation also includes a statute allowing the Idaho Attorney General to supersede any local prosecutor's decision, preemptively thwarting any prosecutor who vows not to enforce such an extreme law. And as we saw what in Florida, when there were prosecutors who were unwilling to enforce the abortion laws, well, they got fired by Governor Ron DeSantis. And so I'm sure a lot of prosecutors out there aren't necessarily willing to test their livelihood, even though we do appreciate them standing up. And hopefully in the event that this bill gets passed, there are prosecutors who will stand up and not enforce it. The legislation actually, it doesn't say anything about necessarily crossing state lines, but Republican lawmakers, they are creative. This is here what it says, most pregnant people in Idaho are not traveling to obtain an abortion elsewhere in the state. Since nearly all abortions are illegal in Idaho, they're traveling to the border with the intent of crossing state lines like Lee and Washington, Oregon or Montana to get an abortion there. The crime is the time that somehow is driving the minor in Idaho. Yeah, so in the past this bill, uh, or a bill like this, it really would have been brushed aside as political fodder and never become law. But we know this recently that Idaho has been seen as really a Christian white nationalist insurgency of a place. And that's in recent years, helping to create a legislature that's quickly gone down the far right rabbit hole, including by introducing legislation that would bring back firing squad executions or make it a crime punishable by life in prison for a parent to get gender affirming care for their transgender child. 
Yeah, because that's kind of generally how it goes in terms of when we want to push this far right agenda, what we end up doing in actuality is trampling our rights because this would definitely seem to violate what they call as the dormant commerce clause. That's a thought that you cannot pass laws as one state that impairs another state's ability to make money to generate commerce. And that's what would seem to be happening here. So you would like to think that hopefully the courts will end up dropping this law and saying it's unconstitutional, similar to the What Stop Woke Act out there in Florida. But the thing is, the way these courts are structured, it may just trample on all of our constitutional rights. One thing that we do know is that abortion rights, they seem to be whittled away at by the day. Here's a current map of the states of abortion rights across the country. It's it's harrowing given what has happened since that Dobbs ruling that has been out there. The fact is that we are regressing as a nation to uplift this Christian cishet white male agenda that favors the 1%. And the thing is the vast majority of us do not fit that profile and thus this agenda does not serve us. And yet it still seems to be things that so many of us sign on to. And unfortunately, as a result of that, it means that we all suffer. AB. I mean, I guess this is why we need a separation between church and state, right? Um, but we already have a prison system that is like over capacity plus plus. So I guess I'm really questioning like, is this the type of thing that we want to put people in prison for? That we want to use our already overwhelmed judicial criminal justice system for. And then it also makes it the reality of how easy it is for people to decide what they want to criminalize when it has nothing to do with them, when they are outside of that community or when they are not affected by those particular actions. So, I mean, I'm really hoping that the courts, I'm praying that the courts make a just decision on this. Like you said, we're now we're crossing constitutional bounds. But at this point, for the people who love the Constitution, they continue to disrespect it. So I'm not sure where we're supposed to go with this at this point. I know. And the thing is, is the law is supposed to have some consistency in terms of application of that which we call precedent. And yet it's been trampled already by the US Supreme Court. It just makes me wonder because the thing is, is like when we think about what 50 years ago, 60 years ago where you had a Brown v Board of Education, you had Gideon v Wainwright, you had all of these seminal cases coming down from the Warren Court, which trampled precedent and it was for the betterment of our society. You wonder if this is the court that's making the pendulum swing back. That's something that unfortunately we don't have the answer to, but unfortunately we don't necessarily want the answer. But that's all right, cuz we're gonna take a break now and we'll have more answers for you in terms of what's going on in the news. What's up? Welcome back to One Boss. It's Adrian Lawrence filling in for Nina Turner. And thank you so much for joining us today and also for sharing your comments. All those out there on tyt.com that are members, which all of you should be, let me tell you. Well, OJAM says it's important to point out how much Zuck and Facebook Meta have been working with the government to get apps like TikTok banned. This isn't just the US security state, it's also an online media monopolization win-win for them. I'm so glad you brought that up because you are absolutely right. They don't want the competition out there. And the thing is, it's like if they are in bed with the government, we also know that when they breach our data in terms of when Facebook Meta does this, 
then they're gonna get the lowest of fines. Are they gonna get fines that really doesn't put a dent in it and doesn't deter them? They're in bed with our government. It's so incredibly true and it's so incredibly sad. So if those out there do not want this TikTok ban restrict act to go into effect, which none of us should given how vague it is written, please reach out to your senators or congresspeople. Let them know that you are happy to go and support their their what competition come the next election. I think that that is what needs to happen. Also, I think we need to hear from those on Twitch. That's Maple Leaf Dragon who says that Restrict Act bill looks like it was written by an NSA operations officer. Yep, that's all they want. They wanna get to our information, our data, circumvent the fourth amendment. So please get out there, make your voices known, say something. YouTube super chat, Yoga Dragons says, love you Adrian with an amazing panel. Love AB, absolutely love you all. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Because as we wind down this last segment of the show, well, we know that something's been going on with a particular mouse. Yes, that's right, Disney. Disney happened to kick Ron DeSantis in his teeth. And if you watch my latest video on Overruled, you can say I might be here for it. He uh, made the decision uh, last year uh, to go in a different direction with respect to how Disney is governed. And since the 1960s, they've enjoyed privileges unlike any company or individual in the state of Florida has ever enjoyed. Florida's governor just got one upped by Disney. In the wake of the two clashing over the state's don't say gay bill, the board Ron DeSantis handpicked to oversee Disney World just got stripped of its powers. Yeah, that's right. It did. And as you can see, I've got a kind of fierce scarf and jacket game. Uh, But let's go ahead and talk more about Disney and what they just did to let Ron DeSantis know who's boss there in Florida. Here's more on that story. The current supervisors of the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District said that at a meeting with their predecessors last month, signed a development agreement with the company that gave Disney maximum Developmental power over the theme park resorts 27,000 acres in Central Florida. Under the terms of the agreement, the district is prohibited from using the name Disney or any symbols associated with a theme park resort without the company's permission, nor can it use the likeness of Mickey Mouse, other Disney characters, or other intellectual property in any manner. The company can sue for damages for any violations, and the agreement is in effect until perpetuity, according to the declaration. The new board members held their first meeting earlier this month and said they found out about the agreement after their appointments. And let me tell you, they were not happy. That's right, because basically what happened here is that there was a board that was running that area of which Disney World sits on in Florida. And they had enjoyed all the rights of being their own government since the 1960s up until Ron DeSantis took issue with how Disney responded with the don't say gay bill or the stop woke act. And he decided to nudge legislature there in Florida to say, hey, we are gonna take away those rights from you. And so that's what they did. But on the eve of legislature in Florida, they're making the decision. They went ahead and decided we're going to transfer the rights to another entity and we're gonna box out any new board that DeSantis appoints. So now those board members, those new board members, they do not have any powers really. Brian Onks Jr., who is one of the new current board members who was appointed by DeSantis, 
Well, he said this, we're gonna have to deal with it and correct it. It's a subversion of the will of the voters and the legislature and the government. It completely circumvents the authority of this board to govern. Yeah, he's pretty sad because Disney and its legal counsel decided to what, put the wheels in motion so that DeSantis doesn't get to win with all of his homophobia, anti-blackness and craze. I appreciate it, Disney, even though I have my feelings about you, as you know. AB, your thoughts? I mean, Disney pulled like a reverse Uno, everybody at the table draw four at this point, and I am here for it. Um, I mean, I love how you know these board members are so upset because I think the Republican Party in Wisconsin did the same thing to their governor. So I guess y'all can have a conversation about that because this is what happens when you don't do right. <laughs> you don't do right by the people. You get exposed like this. So I'm proud of Disney. I'm glad that they did it because I was a little concerned because it didn't seem like Disney was fighting back. But now we see they have something in their back pocket and it looks like it's even more effective than drawing this out in the court. So exactly. I think that's in part because Bob Iger is back at the helm. And I know I've had my issues with Disney, but I respect Iger like nobody's business. And so I really do appreciate this move because hopefully shutting down DeSantis and his 2024 GOP presidential bid will be something that let's hope Disney helps support. Something I definitely support is more equity in terms of people being able to afford things for basic household staples because we know that we've seen over the last few months, well, the price has soared on very basic things such as eggs. Flour, bread and milk surging by double digits in 2022. Chicken, coffee and fruits and veggies shrinking shoppers wallets too. It's eggs that are serving the biggest blow to budgets. The national average for a dozen more than doubling in cost from 2021. Yep, that's right. So many of us know how that impact has hit us. And the thing is, is last month, while Senator um, Elizabeth Warren and also Representative Katie Porter, they band together to ask some questions on paper. They hit up CalMaine, the number one producer of eggs, and other ma- uh, major egg suppliers asking, hey, what happened here? American families working to put food on the table deserve to know whether the increased prices they're paying for eggs represent a legitimate response to reduce supply or out of control corporate greed. That is a damn good question and now we got the answer. Well, this per CNN, it wasn't a matter of scarcity by the way, it was great. Calmaine Foods, the largest egg producer in the United States reported revenue doubled and profit surged 718% last quarter because of sharply higher egg prices. The company which controls about 20% of the US egg market according to Reuters said its average selling price for a dozen eggs in the quarter ending February 25th was $3.30 more than double the average of $1.61 a year earlier. Despite the higher prices, the total number of eggs it sold up 1%. So its overall revenue rose 109% to what is that nearly a billion dollars? I don't count well, but I know that's money. That doubling of revenue was nothing compared to its profits, however. Net income soared 323 mil from only 39 million a year ago. The jump in revenue and profit has been expected, but easily topped forecasts. Shares of CalMaine were up 4% of pre-market trading. Now, the former Secretary of Labor, Dr. Robert Wright, well, he spoke some truth to power on Twitter, saying it's not just eggs. Since 2020, the price of bread up 22%, flour 21%, butter 31%. Meanwhile, food giant Cargill 
saw its profit double to a record 6.7 billion. Follow the money and the story's clear. Food corporations are using inflation to cover up jacking up prices. You're damn right they are. They are pocketing it, taking it home, and I know they ain't giving it back to their employees. This is absolutely disgusting. And the thing is, is that it's hitting us hard in our pockets as we the people. And yet because those in power really love to serve capitalism, it's perfectly fine. Or I should actually say what, corporatism? Because that seems to be who they're backing. AB? Yeah, it's uh, frustrating that everything is getting jacked up except for the salaries for employees. Uh, the hardworking people who even make these things happen and the people that you depend on to purchase the food. But yet if someone can't afford food and maybe they go and take it without paying for it, they're going to jail. And then somebody else is gonna make some money off of that person. Um, so. What do we do at this point, right? We need to have a consensus as American people and figure out what it is we're gonna do to try to stop this. Cuz this is, it's starting to become inhumane, right? People are already struggling from the pandemic. We're just, people are just now getting back in terms of the job market and things like that and getting their situations together. We're still fighting about student loans, which a lot of people can't afford to pay for. And now we are struggling to pay for food in in a space where people were already struggling before inflation to pay for food and children didn't have food to eat. And then you have governors who don't even wanna provide free lunch. But there's all this money going to the same corporations that continue to pay for these legislators to keep their positions in Congress and wherever else they've been elected. So it's just, I'm frustrated, I'll yep. be honest. I'm just and rightfully so, and exhausting. You know, the fact is that people cannot pay for basic necessities. Um, and even though we don't have time to cover it in the show, there was a man who couldn't pay for the $190 million building he bought. That's a flat, flat iron building there in New York City. We'll put up a picture of it here. There's this millennial mastermind, I like to call him Jacob Garlic, uh, who at an auction decided he'd buy this iconic building in New York City that's been around since 1902. You may recognize it. Uh, It was the Continental Hotel and the John Wick saga, as well as the fact that it's shaped like a flat iron in New York. Yeah, so the guy bid on it at an auction. And then of course, when it came time to pay, he didn't have the down payment. I know he's a millennial, but I know also that this was something that was a dream of his to own. And he owned it for like a whole week. Uh, I give props to him because hey, until the government creates some kind of affordable housing so we can all own property and so we can hopefully pay for eggs and food, it really seems like uh, do whatever you want. But in terms of you all out there doing whatever you want, I really hope that you follow AB on social media. Do you want to tell them where they can find you? Yes, you can follow me on social media. I am legally hype is my handle. I am on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and definitely TikTok was where I got my start. <laughs> all right. Well, we are very much appreciative of that. And we hope you all had a great time. Thank you for joining me for these last three days. This is Adrian Lawrence. You can catch me on Rebel HQ for my segment Overruled. Also, catch me on Twitter as long as it can be at Adrian Law and on Instagram at Adrian Lawrence. I might be on TikTok. I don't remember my handle, but I will definitely step up my game soon. Thanks so much for watching and stay tuned for more progressive news next. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.